once in a generation we get an actor who is so unbelievably talented that he's often criticized from the likes of Humphrey Bogart, James Dean, and even Robin Williams. This generation's talent is Nicolas Cage. He's been through the ringer, he's won an Oscar, he's been forgotten about, but he's back. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about two specific Cage films, but mostly about the man in general. So join us for this week's episode of the Crossroads Podcast. Thank you for joining us at the Crossroads Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan. I'm your other host, Rob. And we're going to be taking a look at the new release, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, and the 2002 release adaptation, both kind of about filmmaking to a degree, and both starring Nicolas Cage. And just kind of his career in general. Yeah, both films are very meta, so it's it's going to require some... (laughs) Looking out beyond the films to see kind of how these movies got made. Yes. Now, um, Adaptation is not only my favorite Nicolas Cage film, it's one of my absolute favorite movies in general. I it's think a it's spectacular brilliant. film. Yeah. Um, so uh, you saw it before watching it? I've seen it researching. a bunch of times, yeah. yeah. I've seen it probably 15, 20 times at this point. I'm going to be honest, I tried watching it for the first time maybe, I don't know, eight years ago when I was really getting into Nicolas Cage, and I never could get past the first 20 minutes. It was just too meta for me at the time. But then I rewatched it a couple months ago in anticipation for Unbearable Weight, and it's a fantastic movie that's really hard to get into. Yeah, the beginning is pretty slow. It's a movie that kind of teaches you how to watch it. Yeah. Uh, because Nick Cage is playing two very different characters. Uh, he's playing Charlie and he's playing Donald. And Charlie's just such a sad sack milk toast that he's really kind of hard to appreciate. And Donald is so over-the-top ridiculous that like you kind of don't like him very much. And there's not really any visual, like visible difference between the two of them. Yeah, they look they're, identical. They're essentially twins. And yes. the only difference is their outfits and personality. Mm-hmm. But the film also stars Meryl Streep and Chris Cooper. And yep. their plotline takes place years before the Nicolas Cage plotline. But yes. it doesn't really outright tell you that, which in my <laughs> first viewing threw me off. I was, yes. I was just like, I honestly, I had a hard time following along the first time. But, you know, now that I'm a more seasoned movie watcher, this movie is absolutely incredible. Yeah. It, it's called Adaptation because Charlie Kaufman, who wrote the screenplay with his fictional twin brother, Donald Kaufman. Uh, Donald, incidentally, is the only fully fictional person to ever be nominated for an Academy Award, which is pretty cool. That's so but uh, he was hired to adapt a book called The Orchid Thief into a movie. And The Orchid Thief is largely, apparently, a book about flowers. Like, it's yes. really, there's no, like, through line there. So he started writing this other story about him having a breakdown trying to adapt to this book, and that became the movie. Yes. So it is legally considered an adaptation of The Orchid Thief, even though it's like 75% original content. Yeah, pretty much. The whole movie deals with him struggling to adapt this book that's essentially about nothing. And it all takes place behind the scenes of being John Malkovich. (laughs) Pretty much, uh, yeah. A A lot of it does. Yeah, and there's like scenes because 
Charlie Kaufman also wrote being John Malkovich. So there's yes. scenes of Nicolas Cage as Charlie Kaufman on set of being John Malkovich. And they even had some uh, like B-roll from being John Malkovich in the film. It's layer after layer of meta, <laughs> yes. which I guess Charlie Kaufman's kind of known for by this point. Yes. But yeah, so the plot's pretty much that. It the the stuff with Meryl Streep is the book, and the stuff with Nicolas Cage is Kaufman trying to adapt the book. Yes, and one thing I really do like is that the stuff with Chris Cooper and Meryl Streep never feels like an afterthought. It it's well done, and mm-hmm. it's it's almost made in a totally different story. Um, and I like that that works that way because that could be easily just like, oh god, I guess you sit through this stuff again. Yeah, and but I never hated it, which is nice. Yeah, it it's a good um, breakup and breathing room from just Nicolas Cage's self turmoil. Yes, and this is, I think, in my opinion, anyway, one of Cage's absolute best performances. It's phenomenal. Not yeah. only is it an Oscar worthy performance, but he's playing two versions of that. Two different characters who he's under a lot of makeup. He's in a fat suit, and yet. Despite the fact that these two characters look identical, you know which one is which in a scene, which is difficult to do. He's definitely one of the like, more unique talents. I mean, sometimes he can be a little bit too much, but sometimes he can just be exactly what the film needs. And I mm-hmm. think he's, um, yeah, I mean, he's just uh, phenomenal. Apparently, in, in this film, according to uh, to some research I did, he kind of ignored his own acting instincts and mm-hmm. just tried to imitate uh, Charlie Kaufman exactly. And yeah, he's... Yeah. He'll do research for a role, too. Yeah. Like, for Pig, um, he plays a chef in Pig, and on the bonus features of the Blu-ray, there's, like, two hours worth of bonus features of just Nicolas Cage training with a high-end chef. That's and awesome. It's very fun to watch, and he's all into it. He's asking questions. He's learning. He doesn't really know anything going in, but when he comes out, he can make all the meals that they use in the movie. Yeah, it's that's, really cool. And that's I, awesome. I respect that he takes the time to really research his roles and puts everything he can into it. And a lot of people think that you know the last ten years have been kind of up and down for him, and a lot yeah. of people think he doesn't care, but. He does. He gives yeah. every role his 100%. I think he ran into some issues with uh, his eccentricity is kind of getting the better of him and looking for that larger paycheck to kind of get out of some of the trouble that he was mm-hmm. in. Um, I think now that he's past that, he's he's getting into the really interesting, challenging roles again. Yes, he, he did a lot of really crappy movies because he was in debt because he went on a spending spree. Yeah. His mother was in the hospital and he tried to pay hospital bills and he yeah. was going through a divorce. So he had three major bills piling up and he just needed to act to pay it all off and sell a bunch yeah. of his estate. And as of, I think, two years ago, he's debt free and he's doing Good all the him. movies that he wants to do. Yeah. I mean, I think he just... If you're in that situation where you just kind of need to get stuff done and your job is fun, you know, you might as well have mm-hmm. some fun doing your job. But I think someone of his level can be fun and also be be good at what they do. Yes. And it's awesome to see that he's back to, like, 
the good Nicolas, the, the quote-unquote good Nicolas Cage. Yeah, and we'll talk about that yeah. in a little bit, but... Leaving Las Vegas. <laughs> like, even, yeah. like the, even stuff like The Rock. I remember the Rock wa- so watching The Rock as a kid, probably way too young mm-hmm. to have watched it, but just thinking, this guy's crazy. Yeah, there was that whole string of like mid-90s, early 2000s edgy action films that he was yeah. in, like Face oh, Off, yeah. The Rock, Gone in 60 Seconds, National Treasure, and that's what people really know him for. Yeah, and then he fell off the map, or he did yes. Wicker Man, and then he <laughs> fell off the map. I also really do like City of Angels, and I think he's phenomenal in that as well. It's uh, a really good movie. It's really cheesy. It's cheesy and it's a little spooky. There's parts of it that make mm-hmm. me really uncomfortable. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, uh, that's that's yeah. a legitimately like good movie. Yes. Um, in terms of we're kind of getting away from adaptation, uh, the. One of the things I love about it is that the direction is so good it doesn't really draw attention to itself. Yes. It feels very natural and slice of lifey. Considering that there's a lot of effects going on, because any scene with the two of them obviously has to be at least split screen, if not full on green screen. Yeah. Or even like an overlay. Yeah. But not only is the directing great, the script is phenomenal, mm-hmm. and the cast. We already talked about Meryl Streep, Cooper, and Cage, yeah. but Tilda Swinton's in here. Um, <laughs> Who's always a delight in she's everything she She's always fantastic. Yeah. It's full of like familiar faces and people yeah. who weren't quite famous yet. Yes, it's uh, one of the rare movies that has Doug Jones as himself, not mm-hmm. under a lot of makeup, which is cool. Oh, Maggie Gyllenhaal's in yeah. it, Judy Greer. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of people who worked on other Spike Jones films. Yes, which is cool because he's one of those guys who likes to kind of reward his uh, his friends with other parts. Um, it's funny. I always think Spike Jones movies are <laughs> Kaufman movies. Cause they, I, always yeah. forget, I always forget Spike Jones as a director because I know yes. him from like the Jackass days and like the skateboarding videos and whatnot. Which is so weird to me because his movies are about as far from Jackass as you can get. Yeah, but, uh, he did. He did her. Yeah, adaptation. Being John Malkovich, <laughs> a ton of just like Oscar worthy movies. Yeah, and then he also still is doing music videos all the time. Mm-hmm. Even you know he's he's doing Kanye stuff. He's doing Arcade Fire, Lady Gaga. Uh, all over the place and I think it's just he likes to make interesting surreal things he spent forever trying to get where the wild things mm. are made and I it's not a bad movie all told yeah it's good it's yeah. about as good as it could be <laughs> yeah but anyways I highly recommend Adaptation it's a really great drama mm. with some really powerful moments and yes I think it's worth watching if you're a film fan um, I think people who aren't really into like really meta films are going to get anything out of it, but it's worth watching if you like the cast. Yes, yeah, and it's a nice companion piece, honestly, to being John Malkovich mm-hmm. because it does cover some similar themes, even yeah. though it does it in a very different, more naturalistic way. Despite it, all, it feels all the like craziness. a side story. Yes, it well, it kind of is. It's the yeah. backdrop. True, um, but. I'm ready to move yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. For our second movie, we're talking about the 2022 release, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, starring Nicolas Cage as Nick Cage, Pedro Pascal as Javi Gutierrez, Tiffany Haddish as Vivian, and Neil Patrick Harris as Richard Fink. Yeah. There's a few others nice in there. Uh, and PH and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, this movie, it's about 
it's a little hard to talk about because <laughs> it's a movie that's not really a movie. It's more of a love letter to Nicolas Cage and really lets him show off his acting chops. And yes. the narrative is... The narrative is pretty funny, actually. It's uh, a... <laughs> This uh, millionaire is a huge Nicolas Cage fan, and he wants Nicolas Cage to attend his birthday party so they can discuss making a movie together. It's very meta. It feels a lot like adaptation, but not as serious. And uh, there's also a subplot with a kidnapping of some rich guy's daughter. Honestly, it doesn't need to be in the movie. Yeah, there's a... There's some window dressing that I think was probably thrown in to, like, sell the story or get studio approval. But the heart of the movie is Nick Cage kind of falling in love with with acting again and him making this real friend after a ton of interaction with, you know, people who may don't, maybe don't have his best interests at heart. Yeah, because as a lot of you listeners probably know that... Ryan and I are huge Nicolas Cage fans. Well, and you we, more than me. Yes. Um, definitely. definitely. There, there's no arguing that. But over the last decade, he's kind of been dragged through the mud because he's just been doing a bunch of straight-to-streaming and DVD like garbage movies because he's, yeah. he's had a string of bad luck, as we talked about in the previous segment. And like, despite all that, he still loves acting. And this movie is really... Not only for the fans of Nick Cage, but for Nick Cage to see that people still do love him. Yes. And it... There is a plot. There doesn't really need to be that much of a plot. So much of it is like the beginning of Galaxy Quest in certain ways, where the Nick Cage, the character, not the person is very much like Tim Allen's character where he's kind of washed up, you know. He's washed really wants up. To he, hire can't, him. he can't land roles. His family's pretty fed up with him. And yeah. he still thinks he's like the best actor <laughs> of all time. He yeah. he has a persona that comes out called Nikki, which yeah. is which is a direct reference to an interview from 1990. He mm-hmm. was on, um, it was Wilco, I believe. He was yeah. just coked out of his mind. Yes. And in the movie, he's wearing the same outfit. He acts like he's on coke. He's screaming. And it's kind of <laughs> like, throughout the movie, he kind of acts as the evil angel on the shoulder, where Nick Cage himself is the good angel on the shoulder. And yes. It's like an inner t- turmoil of... Do I continue to grow as an actor or go back to what the people want to see? Yes. So he gets uh, he gets asked to come to this, you know, eccentric millionaire's house who's, uh, I believe, he grows his own olives and makes olive oil. Yeah. He, it's an olive grove, but, yeah. you know, that's just the front. Yes. There's stuff going on in the background that's, you know much more sinister mm-hmm. and uh, that, that's the part where the movie kind of gets away from me a little bit if that's that part feels very formulaic I agree and they even talk about that in the movie saying yeah. like we need this for the quote trailer moment and to quote rope more audiences in so that's 100% yeah. a studio thing they probably didn't want to bank all their money on basically yeah. just Nicolas Cage yes and it, the part of it that kind of really gets under my skin is that the the two, uh, like, FBI agents are played by well-known comedy actors. Yes. 
uh, Tiffany Haddish and like Ike Barinholtz, I think is his name. Yes. Um, who I'm not as familiar with with his work, but he's she's, got one yeah. of those faces that yeah. you, you've definitely seen. Yes. Whereas Tiffany Haddish is just one of the funniest people working right now. She's so funny. And she's she, always been yeah. hysterical. But she also looks kind of uncomfortable being there. Like she yeah. has to play jokes to no one a couple of times because she's on a, a my it's 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 a really weird choice that kind of gets in the way of the actual movie. Having said that, though, the stuff with Nick Cage undercover is yes. pretty funny. Oh, yeah. That stuff is really funny. He does a really good job of being, like, torn on, <laughs> should I do this to help the government, or should I, like, yeah. trust my friend? Yes. There's a, one scene in particular that felt kind of like from the show Chuck, which I was a big fan of, where he bungles a, uh, a spy mission just phenomenally, and yes. it's really, really funny. Yes, it's, it's one of my favorite things. About it's the movie. so funny. This movie is honestly hysterical. Oh, it's so and funny. There was a moment where I saw the trailers and I was kind of like, I don't know about this, but <laughs> I'm really happy at how great this movie turned out to be. It's yeah. it's not going to like win awards or anything, but it's just a good, fun, lighthearted two hours. Yes, it's got great moments. The stakes aren't very high, which is nice. Uh, you know, even the even the scenes with the family aren't terrible because at least the family is interesting. Yeah. Though they make a really weird choice at the end of the film um, when, you know, I'm not going to get into spoilers, but there's a one just really strange choice near the climax that took me out of the movie for a second. Yeah. Um, but it's like kind of the denouement, so it's not really a, it's not definitely, you know, worth complaining about. It's yeah, very... It's, it's yeah. there to like tie some of the acts together. Yes. And... Um, um, yeah. So, I'm going to give my final thoughts and then we can just kind of discuss it because I think that'll be a lot more natural. Um, yes. So, I highly recommend this movie to people who aren't even Nicolas Cage fans. It's just a very fun movie. Yes. Um, it's it's fun. It's lighthearted. It's honestly a good family yeah. flick. It's not, like, too violent. It's not gory. It's, yeah, there's not... There's no. a little bit of violence, but nothing more than what you'd see in, like, a primetime television yeah. show. There's a lot of language. There's some yeah. drug use, which honestly is the funniest part of the movie. Yes. Um, um, also, but, Pedro Pascal should be in more comedies. Agreed. He's hysterical. Yes. And Nick Cage said he's a fantastic person, too. So I, I wouldn't doubt it. He, he seems very warm and kind. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, he he threatens to steal the movie a couple times from Nick Cage. Yeah. Which shows to show that how it's good honestly, he is. It's honestly really great to watch him fight for the scene. Oh, yeah. Because they're, I mean, you can tell that they're doing it in a very friendly way. Like, they're mm -hmm. not really competing. They're more just, like, trying to one-up each other as friends. And yeah. that's awesome. And th that honestly elevates the movie. Oh, half, absolutely. Half the f it, this movie is, it's a buddy comedy. That's, <laughs> oh, that's yeah. what it boils down to. So much. And, like, it, there's something in here for everyone, but if you're a Nick Cage fan, you're going to get the most out of it. There's so many oh, references yeah. and callbacks to a ton of his movies. There's scenes, there's a scene where he's watching his own movie, and he <laughs> has, like, a freakout scene, and the phone rings, and he jumps. Yeah. And it's yes. just really funny. There's a couple times when he'll just be somewhere, and there'll be one of his movies on screen, and mm -hmm. he's just like, oh, God. <laughs> it's really funny. I love it. And, like... There's so much I want to talk about, but I don't yeah. want to ruin it. Um, it's definitely a movie you want to go in and see as blind as possible. Yeah. like It's so I, clever. I wish I didn't see any trailers for this. Yeah. It's definitely worth... It's worth great. Uh, worth um, it. Yeah. 
some backstory on this. They wrote this well before Nick Cage agreed to do it, and he was adamant about not doing it because he did not want to play himself. He thought it was just going to lean into, um, like, parody and mocking. Yeah. And he even said that in an interview recently. He didn't want to do it. He didn't feel like being mocked. He, he gets the joke. He's over it. But then the director, Tom Gormison, wrote Nick Cage a very well-written and heartfelt letter that changed his mind. And I really want to read this letter. So Yeah. It's uh, definitely not making fun of him. No. Um, I mean, it does poke fun at the character of Nick Cage, but I don't think that's necessarily who he is. I think it's a yeah. heightened version of himself. Yeah. Even at his worst of times, he's never been unsuccessful. Yes. Um, but yeah, so he, he's he gone on to say that playing himself or, quote, some version of myself has been his hardest role. And yeah. I think he nailed it. I really hope this brings Nick Cage back into the limelight. I think he's got a pretty good chance of that because he's great in it. He mm-hmm. shows a whole lot of range from a you know frustrated guy to action hero to you know stoned out guy <laughs> to so. family man, and then gets to play Nikki against himself, which wraps up in a very fun way. It's very yeah. fun, yeah. though it didn't go as far with that as I wanted it. To. <laughs> By the end. Um, I may end up cutting this part out, but by the end, I really wanted Nikki to overtake Nicholas, and I really wanted to see old-style Nick Cage take down the bad guys. That would have been pretty fun. But I'm also really happy with the ending they did go with. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's the ending that makes sense for the story they're trying to tell. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it's such a such a uh, fitting end to such a meta film. Yes. Um, there's a scene where he's talking to a director played by David Gordon Green. And originally, Nicolas Cage wanted to get David Lynch. <laughs> which I think would have been perfect. Yes. But Lynch turned it down because it was like peak COVID. And yeah. You know how it is. I think it would be funny to have Cronenberg in there too. Just because Cronenberg always looks you know, like he's imitating a statue. Mm-hmm. He is, I think they wanted Lynch because Wild at Heart. There's a ton of Wild at Heart references. Mm-hmm. But yes, there yeah. are. There's a lot of Nick Cage references, some of which I got, some of which are really overt, and some of which I'm sure that you got that I missed. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's some I missed as well, but this movie's just chock full of just... I can't state enough. This movie loves the material. It knows exactly what it is. It's fun. There's something for everyone. I yeah. I really... I want to watch it again. <laughs> yeah, I, I do too, which is unusual. Uh, I mean, not, you know, because normally I just watch so many films that I don't yeah. have necessarily get a chance to watch a movie again because we watch so many for the show. Mm-hmm. But Rewatching I really enjoyed it. It's a yeah. treat. Yes. I don't get to do it as much as I'd like. So yes. it, uh, it's a thing that I definitely enjoy doing when I am able to. Yes. Um, but yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of jokes in here that I feel like were written specifically for me. <laughs> um, there's a whole sub 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 subplot about Paddington 2 <laughs> yes. which I've been talking about trying to get people to watch for like five years now um, there's a whole thing with Doctor uh, Cabinet of Dr. Calgary oh, which I love a great movie one there's, of the first horror movies ever made it was the first horror movie I think you're right yeah uh, that's like what 1920 yes Something like it's on my little poster of movies that I have in my office. Oh, nice. 
Yeah, right here. 1920, Doctor. 1920. Yep. I have uh, I have in my office, the only poster I have in my office, actually I have two now, but one of them is uh, just 100 horror movies. Nice. <laughs> so, and you can scratch them off as you watch them. That's oh, all I, I saw that online. Format. I almost yeah. bought that. It's definitely, I have I had it professionally framed because I'm a weirdo. That's but awesome. it's definitely, uh, I'd recommend it. Did you watch yeah. all the movies on it? Not yet. Yeah. The other poster I have is not really a poster, it's a painting, but it's of my cats. Because nice. they won't sit next to each other in real life so I have a painting of them sitting next to each other it makes oh, me happy that's, cute. <laughs> that's um, my personality cats and horror yes. movies Hell yeah. that's all you need honestly <laughs> um, there's a scene last thing I want to talk about there's a scene where uh, Pedro Pascal shows Nicolas Cage his Nicolas Cage memorabilia <laughs> filled with like real life magazines and props and costumes and wax statues of Nicolas Cage and all this stuff is just in movies from all throughout his career, there's the axe from Mandy, chainsaw from Mandy, uh, magazines from when he won an Oscar. There's a face-off statue, and just that like five-minute sequences. You can really tell that Tom Gormison loves Nicolas Cage. Oh yeah, that, that that scene could have been really awkward and uncomfortable, but it was really funny. Mm-hmm. I think they that did goes it really to, well. Yeah, I think it goes to show just the strength of the two actors because that that could have been super uncomfortable if uh you know you just strayed a little bit further away from where they went yes i'm really happy they kept it a straight love letter and not yeah. parody but anyways that's i apart from the two minor complaints i have about the movie i think this is a really perfect comedy it's a great movie if you like Nicolas Cage. It's a great movie if you like to laugh and have fun. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. It's really funny. If you can see it in a full, like a, as full of a theater as you can safely get to right now. Because mm-hmm. I saw it on uh, 9.30 on a Monday night, which means there were, there were like five people in the theater. Yeah. Uh, I went 6 p.m. opening night, and the theater, by the, the, by the time the movie started, the theater was pretty full, and everybody was laughing. Everyone was having a great time. Yeah, that's the kind that's of... That's the way to yeah. see it. This is definitely going to become a party movie, I think, for a lot of party people. Party movie, cult classic. Yeah. I think, give it a couple months, I honestly think people, apart from like the big fans, nobody's <laughs> really going to be talking about it. Yeah. Um, if I don't think it's going to be nominated for any Oscars or anything, maybe Best Comedy at Golden Globes. Yeah. I hope I mean, Nick, Nick Cage is nominated for something. Yeah. Pedro Pascal honestly has a shot at Best Supporting because he's like... He's really good in this, too. Um, Comedy and, often gets yeah, overlooked, though. It does, but he, he's really up and coming. And, like, between this and... I mean, he was on Game of Thrones for a little while. He, Mandalorian. Obviously, The Mandalorian. Um, before I ever knew who he was, he has a small role in one episode of Buffy, which I discovered during uh, oh. during my research. Okay. Um, yeah, he plays uh, a kid who gets munched on by vampires in the first season in college. I think it's a rule if you start in a horror film, you're going to have a great career. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's a. Well, I mean, he had been doing stuff before. I believe he's Argentinian. Uh, so he'd been acting there as well. Mm-hmm. But he, you know, he tones up his accent for this. His accent in real life is not anywhere near that strong. Yeah. Or rather, it, it can be. But when he's speaking English in America, his accent is almost unnoticeable. Because he's, yeah. he's a very clever fellow. And he's able to lose his accent, you know, better than most people. He's Chilean. Cool. He's Chilean. Okay, I was close. Um, yeah, he's really... Because he's playing, uh, I believe, a Spanish? 
Like, I think they're in Spain. Um. Yeah, Spain sounds yeah. right, but it was filmed in. Fuck, where was it filmed? Um. Croatia. Croatia. That makes sense. Yeah. A lot of places like that where you can, you know, it, places they don't really look like anywhere else, so yeah. you can kind of make it look like you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even uh, Last Samurai was filmed in New Zealand because it's just so much empty land. Croatia, similar thing, and you get you know, you know, you can get a, a lot more bang for your buck out there. Yes, um, um, but that's all I've yeah. got to say. I don't want to keep repeating myself. It's yeah. a great movie. It's yeah, it's phenomenal. It's really really funny. Um, you never really feel like. You're always on Nick Cage's side, even when he's kind of being a jerk, which is great. And he's only a jerk for like the first half. Then he kind of yeah. humbles himself. Yes, he he gets a lot better, and he you know makes peace with his family, which I liked. And mm-hmm. he's yeah, it's it's a great movie. I'd give it you know a, probably nine or eight or nine out of ten. I'm gonna um, give it if I have to give it a number score, I'm gonna say nine to nine and a half. Yeah. It's a little too formulaic for me to be a perfect score. Yeah, it's a a minus. It's not like you know yeah. solid A plus, but it's pretty close. And it, the performances definitely save it uh, because the acting is great and the direction is fun. And it's we're written just, well. We're just endlessly praising this thing. So go watch this movie, guys. It's <laughs> the fun. first line of the movie is Nicolas Cage is a genius. So <laughs> that's really yes. all you need to hear. <laughs> yes. So we don't have anything set in stone for next week, but we're pretty sure we're going to go with uh, The Northman, the new film by uh, by David Eggers. No, uh, Robert no, Eggers. Robert Eggers, sorry. David Eggers writes those weird books. David Eggers makes... Uh, or Robert Eggers uh, makes those weird horror movies. Yes. Uh, which I'm so looking forward to, and I've heard lots of great things. Yeah, um, I saw it. It's great. I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine this point in his career putting out some of it's just phenomenal he's three for three yeah I, I guess i imagine he's gonna have a nice long career of you know nine films because he takes forever to make a new movie <laughs> but, yeah <laughs> it's worth it i just yeah. hope he's still doing those for hot i've heard that's the next thing he's working on um well i mean knowing him he's probably like, tracking down the film or the camera they shot it with because <laughs> you know that's the kind of stuff that he puts into his, his work. We're going to talk about that uh, next week. Yeah. He does his research. It would not be said that he does not do his research. Yes. But anyways, I highly recommend both movies. Uh, join us next week for Northman 